You know I'm right. A podcast that uncovers the origin stories of some of the biggest things in sports, media, comedy, entertainment, and so much more. Nick Durst here along with Joe Calvaris and Joe. Many people are going to be very excited for this episode because maybe they were big baseball fans growing up, uh, big Mets fans, Dodgers. So we'll get into that, but maybe a case of mistake identity. You'll clarify that for us right now. Yes. Um, he is not a former professional baseball player. Uh, he's actually an award-winning comedian, uh, voice actor, musician, uh, and he's a, a Canadian, right? So another Canadian on with us. So uh, Canadians generally tend to do well on this podcast. We we certainly have a lot of fun with them. Uh, but you're right, not a baseball player, but still uh, great in his own right. Uh, we welcome Paul Laduca to the program. Paul, welcome. How you doing? Thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. So, Paul, growing up or maybe going back at least a decade or so, what was your familiarity with the baseball catcher, Paul Laduca, and how often do you get emailed for him or vice versa? Actually, it's it's funny. I, the first I heard, time I heard of his name was I, – I have an uncle named Paul Laduca as well uh, who loves baseball. So when I was a kid, I had seen uh, that uh, Paul Laduca was an, an actual baseball player because we saw it in the newspaper once. Um, but uh, as I was uh, you know, fortunate enough to do what I do over the past – you know, over a decade with uh, music, especially in the beginning, um, I would have interviewers if we were doing a TV spot or whatever uh, of, of people showing me, uh, like coming up to me with pictures of uh, Paula Duca's wife. He's like, is this your wife? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I'm not married. Okay, she's beautiful, but she's, I'm not I'm not married. That's the other guy. Uh, and uh, so we'd, we would get uh, cross-referenced a lot. For, for funny little things like that. Uh, but I did end up having uh, somebody tag me instead uh, on Instagram once uh, for, because Paula Duca does a lot of uh, the horse racing yeah. now, or commentating for that. Uh, so uh, I had uh, I had let him know. I reached out saying, you got the wrong guy here. And and uh, and then I reached out to Paul saying, uh, you know, I can't remember what I said, but he, 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 uh, he messaged me back saying, wow, I can't believe that, you know, we got the same name here. He goes, next time you're in LA, you let me know we're going for drinks. Uh, so it was uh, very cool of him to even uh, reach back out uh, and and uh, and have that happen. So yeah, it happens. I think you gotta get his, you have to get his baseball jersey. And you I'm gonna have to, yeah. But technically, yeah. it would be my baseball jersey, wouldn't it? Now, <laughs> so I do got to get a Laduca something with 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 that on it. I think he does spell it differently though. Mine is one word. Yeah, he's got the space and then the capital yeah. D. Yeah, yeah. We'll leave we'll let him have the space in the capital D. Hey Nick, do you think Paul Duca and Paul Duca ever get together for drinks? That's <laughs> 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 the next chapter. We're going to work on that one. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. Uh so you're a proud Canadian living in uh Toronto. Yeah. Uh so talk about what it was like growing up. Uh, I mean, Toronto was great growing up when I, you know, here, uh, it's, it's, it's so diverse here that, uh, I mean, so much is going on. It's always been known as North Hollywood. So, uh, you know, a lot of productions going on. I always wanted to be an actor and, and a musician. And, uh, and I, I did all those, all those things. And through high school, I kind of just, uh, uh, tried to find, I used to draw really well too. So I tried to find something that would, um, uh, help me 
utilize all of my passions and my talents. And so I thought music would be great because I could draw the artwork from my, from my CDs and I could uh, act in the music videos and I get to write and perform music. I should just go into music. So I, I started putting together my bands and I had that kind of mindset. And every day I try to think of like, uh, what's one more little thing I could do today that the other guy's not doing, you know what I mean? Uh, not the other Paula Duca, the other, just anyone else uh, <laughs> trying to do what I, uh, what I do in music. And I just tried to better myself and learn about the business and the industry. I know I'm skipping from being a kid to this, yeah. uh, but like being a kid, I, I, I loved comedy and I loved music. And Michael Jackson was like, I loved what he was doing, the theatrics he brought in with the performance and the music, of course, was undeniable. So I, I grew up on that and, uh, and, uh, you know, watch all the same things that you guys watch. Some of my favorites, you know, Jim Carrey was one of my favorites, Mike Myers, uh, you know, Adam Sandler, uh, uh, Robin Williams, you know, uh, all of these, there's so many names I'm, I'm leaving out, but uh, I loved movies. I loved comedy and I love music. So if I found a way to put them all together at some point, it would have been my ultimate. And then in 20, <laughs> in 2010, uh i that dream kind of came true for me when i got signed with my band neverest up here in, in canada so i gotta ask quick uh yeah. growing up did you follow sports at all were you maple leafs fan or raptors fans and uh something that i do know about the canada toronto area uh when i was younger a bunch of my friends used to watch degrassi right so was that popular uh in your neck of the woods over there yeah, Degrassi was huge here. Um, I didn't grow up watching Degrassi. I had friends that were on like the later generations of Degrassi. Wow. Um, uh, like Shane Kipple's a buddy of mine and, and he was on the I show with that. Drake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He and Shane and I have done a bunch of comedy things uh, together as well. Uh, and he was Drake's best friend on the show and and whatever. So so that was, Degrassi's always kind of been interweaved with my circle. Um, and uh, and what else did you ask me about about you said degrassi and, and uh oh about the sports teams oh sports yes yeah i love sports yeah, I, I, yeah of course i'm a, a leafs fan i'm a jays fan and and i and i love uh the raptors i remember when the this is aging me a bit but when the raptors first became a team like i had the first shirt they ever printed and uh and it was so cool because it was such a cool name you know the the symbol was dope like i you know so yeah hockey mostly though is uh my main nice. love Got it, got it. It's, it's a birthright there for sure. Yeah. Wrestling and hockey, it's in the veins of, of all the Toronto. Yeah. So we, we've had some other people from Toronto on or the areas on. Julius Stewart Binks, Rick Campanelli, Rick Campanelli, yeah. like you, proud Italian, yeah. tells us the food. The Italian food is fantastic in Toronto. So I got to try, I got to try that one day. So for you, Paul, love, Mary, kill, chicken parm. Pizza or pot and pasta? <laughs> Chicken pot, pizza and pasta. Uh, I'm gonna have to marry pasta because I just can't do without it. Uh, do I have to kill anyone? <laughs> what did they do to me? Nothing. I guess I, kill it with your mouth. <laughs> yeah, they kill it with their mouth. Well, I'm gonna kill all of them then because then I'll just eat them. Yeah, but uh, in the veal palm, you know, I could. That's my least favorite. Let's say so. We'll kill that one. How about you, Joe? Okay. Uh, I got to marry chicken farm. Uh, chicken farm guy, okay. Yeah, I think we'll just kill the pasta only because uh, I think it's dependent on what you make and don't make with it, how you make it, how you don't make it. 
Some people like it al dente. I like it a little bit al dente. Some people prefer it softer. I like it softer. So it's easier to chew. So I I think there's a little variance there with pasta. Um, But yeah, so I I prefer a good pizza. But overall, like a good, well-rounded chicken palm dish is, is good. I can't believe you. See, you got technical with it. See, I would have given that kind of answer, except, you know, I was like, yeah, kill this one and marry this one. What the fuck? Are we allowed to sway here? I'm not sure. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I love it. I love it all dente there, too, as well. Paul, you've done you've done touring. You've gone around for jobs yeah. and stuff. But So where would you say are some of the cities with the best food? I mean, for me, I know it sounds bad, but for me, it's hard for me to stray from Italian food because it's just the it's just better food not just because I'm Italian I know lots of Italians who prefer Italian as well um uh, I do like you know I like other things and and whatever but I'll a good sign of a a great Italian restaurant is just how authentic it can be you know uh I know you guys got uh uh oh my god I can't believe it's slipping me there what's what's your the Olive Garden or some shit and we have something called East Side Mario's up here which are both, I'm sorry, horrible Italian restaurants compared to what we uh, know as good and authentic Italian food. Uh, it's not commercialized chain nastiness. You can tell the difference. Uh, and a lot of them are mom and pop shops that are that are just better. So when I was on tour, I would try to find the best um, Italian restaurants. I'd ask around, see what was what. Sometimes yeah. I'd get two or three of them and I'd want to try all of them. And you got to base it on what kind of, how well their their sauce well their sauce is made even if it's a basic tomato and basil sauce you know what i mean i just that's how you gauge or or on the pizza how's the sauce on the pizza if it's uh you know good enough joe why don't you tell paul what island has the best italian food (laughs) well in new york city over here nick and i grew up on staten island and um, there are a lot of really great Italian restaurants, a lot of really great pizzerias on Staten Island in particular. Uh, as you go around the other boroughs, Brooklyn's got a couple of good ones. Uh, the Bronx has some good ones. There are good ones, good like restaurants and stuff scattered throughout Jersey. And I would say some areas of Long Island and Westchester. But like when you get into the heart of the city, um, I think it's it, unless you're like, uh, I think like authentic Italian restaurants by where my father is in Chinatown, literally over there. Like yeah. you can find really great restaurants over there. But I think in terms of like, it, it, it might be a little bit too scattered, you know, to find something a little more, um, like you were saying, like real thick, authentic, you know, Italian and cuisine. So uh, if you're ever in New York City area, you come to Staten Island with really, really, really great food over here. Some of the best pizza in the country. Uh, my friend went to Quinnipiac in Connecticut. So he's a New Haven guy. So a lot of those pizzerias over there, he could test it. He loves being over there. Um, but in terms of pizza, Stalin's got some of the best. That's good to know. I, I'm I'm trying to get to New York sometime soon, actually. And I've only ever been in Manhattan. I was there for a night. And I did have some, I can't remember what pizza place it was, but it was one of those giant, giant slices. One of those, oh, I was going to say those $1 slices. I mean, they're okay, but you got to avoid them. You know, there's a lot yeah, of well, I, I was there, that's all I had, but it was pretty good. $1 slice is the way to go in that. I think that's, that's the best way, but... Last food question, Paul. You know, you're yeah. telling you love these Italian restaurants, the authentic. So they bring the hot bread. Hopefully, it's hot when the you know. As the, are you a butter guy or are you an olive oil guy? Uh, I'm I'm good with both. 
that's a good one. I, I can't, and and the, the olive oil's got to have a little bit of the vinegar in it too if i if i do it but uh but uh i mean it's a, almost nothing beats hot bread and butter you wow. know especially when it's nice and fresh it's got to be fresh so, yeah for sure but yeah. i do have both i'm not complaining when bread hits the table fair that's enough what... fair enough all right so you mentioned before started off your career professionally doing music so how did you first get started in the world of comedy and then voice acting? So I, I can't tell you that without telling you the first part, really the, the band up here did very well for a good six years from 2010 to 2016. One of the Backstreet Boys was our manager, Howie Ooh, D. Wow. And when I was in Manhattan, actually, I was there with him uh, performing with him uh, on Good Day New York. That's why we went there. Um, and we also uh, were able to do the NBA All-Star Game in 2012 in Orlando. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things we did then. But we, we saw a lot of great radio success up here with like eight singles. Um, and we tried to break in the States multiple times. We were there a lot. Uh, but in Canada, we became a, one of the household band names, which was, you know, a dream come true for me. Um, and I, you know, we toured with Backstreet Boys and New Kids on the Block for many years as well. And that was, you know, huge for us. And we were a pop rock group. We all sang four-part harmonies, all of these things. But we were a band that was always laughing, always joking, known for our humor that way. And that's kind of why I loved, you know, being in that band as well, because we embraced literally who we are and how silly we could be. Uh, but we took it, to, you know, we still uh, appreciated everything we had. Uh, when the band had to come to a stop in 2016, I just, I had to stay productive. So I got back into, uh, you know, acting like I used to when I was a kid, I, you know, proper training, this and that. And then I started taking advantage of my social media platforms and doing my own sketch comedy uh, and teaching myself how to edit and, you know, just getting my, the comedic timing I had in person through video, you know, and I found it even more exciting doing it through video. Uh, and uh, so really all of these things kind of amalgamated into this, you know, what I've been able to, fortunate enough to build in the last uh, seven or eight years, I've been able to build a very, a successful viral uh, comedy platform uh, across all platforms, which I'm 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 grateful to say. But I've, I you know I put my uh, hard work into all of it, and I just kind of I put up stuff that makes me laugh. Uh, and in doing so, I was able to uh, work with some of the comedians that I grew up loving, uh, and it was an honor that any of them even thought that I might be funny. You know, like Joe Avati, I grew up you know you know loving. I've done some stuff with Joe Avati and Frank Spadone up here, and and uh, uh, Mike Marino, uh, who I, you know, it was just awesome, you know, and, and I, I was fortunate enough to, to, to capture that kind of, uh, you know, attention and, and presence and what I do. And it was, it's rewarding because it's just me. I love to be silly. I love doing characters. I love uh, making people laugh, but I love making myself laugh. You know, it's, that's important. Even Jim Carrey said it, you know, if you're not making yourself laugh, you're doing it wrong. Right. And, uh, I, uh, I really embraced that. So for seven years, I built multiple comedy brands and, and uh, made a ton of great new you know, friends and connections in the business. And then I, and now my focus in the past uh, two years has been uh, voice acting, which you know, I've been uh, lucky enough to, to, to capture any other or achieve the dreams that I always grew up wanting to do. The, the music thing was huge uh, and the acting thing I'm still doing and whatever. And, uh, uh, achieving more with that but the voice acting like I've always wanted my own cartoon uh, and to be doing all most of the characters like I love the Seth MacFarlane's and the uh, Nick Krolls and, and uh, 
you know, anybody who successfully has these cartoon shows, but is also a great stand-up comedian or, you know, just great with characters uh, and voices and great with their comedy. Uh, uh, and I, I, you know, those are, those are part of my, you know, my new goals in, in the stratosphere of what to do with voice acting. You know, I love the character work. So is the band going to be getting back together anytime soon? <laughs> 10 year reunion in three years. Uh, we'll see. We, we did a, we did a, you know, like a five year reunion uh, or so back in 2019, just before the pandemic. And that went very well. Uh, we released a new album and everything. It's called the lost tracks. Uh, and like I said, the band is called yeah. Neverest. but, uh, but no, no plans to, you know, to keep going with that. We have other things. And honestly, it's very, very difficult uh, in the music world uh, because you need to make a living. We live on this earth where we all still got to pay our bills. Right. You know, it's not just about, you know, getting the, the notoriety for what you do. Uh, you got to get paid. And uh, there's no shame in that. And the problem with the music business, even, even when you see great success, is very hard to maintain uh, a living. And that's the truth. That's, that's just, I would never discourage anybody from doing it. Because I went after my dreams and achieved more than I could ever imagine, but it's still, you know, I'm, I'm, I still uh, got to work. You know what I mean? I got to do other things to keep uh, myself afloat, and that's just the nature of the whole entertainment business. You know, you can do things very well and be professional with it, but the consistency of work is what the issue is. You know, so and not being screwed over by any managers or agents or because that's another whole thing you got to look out for in the business. So let's say you guys put together a little reunion tour, you know, four or five shows. Would you consider being the opening act for your, for yourself? So you go out there, you do a little comedy, and you're like, now give it up for me and my band. <laughs> yeah. Give it up for me. I got the band coming. I'm going to be in that too. You can see me. No. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say never, but, uh, you know, maybe. What I found is that it, your music fans, music fans and Comedy fans, the ones that I have anyways, are very different people. It's weird because, you you know, you grew up as a, you know, some, a lot of the entertainment world or people, people can only accept people as one thing at a time. It's very weird, right? Until you become like The Rock or something like that. And, you know, they accept you all. You're a wrestler and you're an actor and you're a singer and you do all these things. Uh, people seem to only accept one thing at a time. So when I went into comedy, a lot of my music fans just, they weren't digging it, right? But I developed a whole new platform of people who love me for that uh, and and resonate with that more than the music I was doing. So there's a there's a beauty to all of it, but uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it would uh, if it would different, be the same crowd that came out to the bands thing, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. So yeah. for you, what is your creative process when developing new material for your videos and how does that kind of translate to your stand-up act because you're doing a quick bit on a video and then people they're like this is different than the routine so how do you kind of manage those expectations and really what's the major differences between doing stand-up comedy and doing comedy videos specifically for social media oh there's a huge difference uh i mean doing stand-up i've only done a little bit of stand-up. I haven't done a lot of stand-up. Uh, and when I did it, I was fortunate that it went well and everything was cool. But the translation of what I do on video to stand-up is very, very difficult uh, because you're just you're presenting it differently. I did do a bit where I would incorporate my videos on screen with my stand-up act before. Um, excuse me. But, uh, you know, the whole process 
board is is different. You know, when you're on stage doing stand-up, you're not up there with four other guys in a band. You're up there by yourself. So you're either winning by yourself or you're losing by yourself. It can be a very scary place. But when you are confident in the material that you have, um, even if it's brand new, like I said, you got to go up there and do it for yourself. So that's how I approach my comedy, even my videos. What do I think is funny? I'm not going to worry about who's or who it's going to offend, this and that, whatever. I don't do stuff that's that's truly offensive. You know what I mean? We we all grew up watching Saturday Night Live and Mad TV, okay, where they made fun of all different kinds of uh, cultures. Not fun of. They use different cultures and different accents that are funny, okay? Whether you're doing a Chinese accent, an Indian accent, an Italian accent, it's we're bringing the warmth and what's charming about the culture to the forefront and and uh, conveying it in a relatable way. That's why guys like Sebastian Maniscalco and Russell Peters, you don't need to be Italian or Indian to enjoy the, or love their comedy, right? People get it. It's funny. It's not meant to be offensive and hurt people. It's, it's you know, so my comedy is the same thing. If it makes me laugh, I'm going to put it up. I really don't. I'm, it's a bonus for me if other people think it's funny. And that's kind of my you know, the, you know, the secret sauce for me, it just, it just has worked. Uh, you know, if I think it's funny, it's going to be funny. Because if you're not a fan of your own stuff, again, what's the point, right? I'm not going to do it just because the trends say, well, I should put something in here and put a keyword here and talk about gender. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just, it's all that stuff really is, is noise to me now. It's too far over here. The pendulum has, it's got to swing back to the balance uh, because a lot of what's happened in the last three years, especially, has killed comedy. It's killed it. So what are some of the other challenges that you face as a comedian? You kind of alluded to this, um, doing individual stuff, right, for yourself, as opposed to getting out there uh, as a group, right? So the solo versus group thing, definitely a challenge. Uh, the pendulum, right, as you mentioned, that's something that comedians have faced uh, as a challenge here the last couple of years uh, since the pandemic happened. So what yeah. are some other challenges, maybe politically, that you face uh, trying to do comedy, uh, other challenges uh, as a voice actor as well, and how have you overcome them? Uh, again, the, ch the challenges as a voice actor, just every, there's, you really got to shine in, in what you do because there's so many people trying to do the same thing. And uh, the consistency of work is what's really difficult. Other than that, going after what you love and what you do. I put out voice demos, I just put a new character demo with animations that I had uh, custom made for for what I'm trying to convey. I want people to see that. So you just kind of show, you know, what you bring to the table as far as this stuff goes. How do you get your comedy out there? It's all originally, I, I wrote it, you know, it's all stuff that uh, I hope can, you know, lands me uh, bigger work so I can show the world, you know, and be in one of these Pixar or Disney movies that I have grown up watching, you know? Um, there's really no limits, you know, you put limits on yourself. Uh, it, it, the only thing that's out of your control is if you, you get the part out of a hundred people auditioning, you know? So that's why you make it your own business. And that's why I have my own business with doing voiceovers for, for businesses, for commercials, for anything, uh, my own cartoons, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to develop my, my own. Uh, so, uh, those challenges are only challenges as much as I make them for myself. You know, I, I think that they're very doable things that I'm just, and the process of figuring out how to make it work best uh, for me. Uh, and comedy in general, stand-up comedians, I mean, again, I have tremendous respect and admiration for the guys who keep going up there every night and just trying new stuff because it's very difficult in this climate. You know, a lot of people are sick of all the uh, 
which is better now. It's nice to see where most people are just sick of what's been, what's trying to be forced down our throat about a lot of things, you know, not to get too specific in all of it. So yeah, even here, you know, I don't know how, you know, I don't even want to, it's not that I want to offend even you guys. I don't know what you think or what your philosophies are. The point is I respect that, that you do. You're not trying to shove them down my throat, right? Mm-hmm. You believe what you believe and I believe what I believe and it doesn't matter. I think you're, you're great. And I'm going to show you that kind of respect. That's the kind of change you need to be in the kind of genuine space you need to live from. And, and being a comedian, if I'm talking about something I think is funny, it's because I think it's funny and many others probably do too, because it's relatable, right? And if you're offended at a show, I've been to shows where they rip apart Italians. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like, but I think it's funny because I know not to take it personally. This person doesn't know me. They're not trying to knock me. You know what I'm saying? So everyone, this culture is too sensitive. The whole cancel culture bullshit is just that, okay? Why are we canceling people? They say something wrong, they can take responsibility for it, fine. But like, you know, them and their family got to eat too, right? They didn't murder anybody, right? So this is this is how I see it. You know, we, we can't be so sensitive about everything. You know, I keep myself in check with that too. You, we all choose what to be offended by. That's the reality, yeah. you know? I can either choose to be or choose not to be. Oh, this guy said this thing, kind of bothered me, but really, do I need to care? Do I need to care? You know what I mean? It's not like it's your mother saying it to you <laughs> where it's someone who you care about what they think, you know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, and even that you gotta, you know, you still gotta do you right. Otherwise, what's the point? What's the point of living our lives for other people? Okay. In, in service of other people in helping other people. Yes, maybe, but we don't need to live by other people's fears and insecurities. So we really don't talk politics on here, but I have to ask you as a, as someone who was living in Toronto during this era, Rob Ford, what was it like having him as your mayor? <laughs> Rob Ford. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Rob Ford back in 2012, uh, uh, him and his family, and he was a sweetheart. He was nice, you know? What's he going to be? He's going to be a dick to me? No, right? <laughs> I don't know what he's really like. You know what I mean? He was very nice. It's unfortunate he had a, you know, an, an addiction or a problem at the time. It's unfortunate that Toronto was put on the map in that way at that time. But I think people like, you know, Drake, Bieber in the weekend and many other people have put Toronto on a map in a much better way. People don't remember that anymore. Right. Uh, and and uh, and but I know it was a big thing there. I know Jimmy Kimmel had him on and all this stuff. And, yeah, they're making fun of him, you know, and that's another thing, you know, and he's just there smiling, like doing it for the publicity and whatever. But in the end, uh, I think that uh, Rob Ford, from what I saw and the people that I did know him, he had a good heart. So you mentioned Jimmy Kimmel. Do you think Joe looks like Jimmy Kimmel a little bit? <laughs> now you say at first glance, at first glance. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's got his own look. He's Joe, you're doing all right. Don't worry look. about Jimmy. Never sure. mind. Yeah, Jimmy ain't paying your bills. Yeah. Yeah. Forget about him. Uh, Absolutely. So, Paul, if you had yeah. the opportunity here to, to do live shows with or to do voiceover work with a with a comedy sketch type yeah. of comic thing and you could pick any comedians to work with yeah. give us a few of, of who you'd want to target nick kroll absolutely he's one of the funniest to me and amazing i love his show big mouth and just the the creativity is, is amazing uh trey parker and matt stone of south park absolutely would love to work with them and Seth McFarland, Family Guy and American Dad. You know, this guy's done everything from music to the musicals to the theater to acting to 
just the way, uh, you know, he works. I, I mean, it'd be honor. It would be an honor to work with any of them, but I also, I love, I love Adam Sandler. Okay. And I love uh, Mike Myers and these guys who have done these things with their own productions and, uh, you know, even, you know, the voice work like Hotel Transylvania with, with Adam Sandler. He's done a, a few other things too, but like, I just, I love, uh, you know, who seem to be good people. Do I know them? Are they dicks in real life? Probably. But <laughs> from what I seem, again, I'm, I, I don't, I don't get starstruck. I'm not like, you know, I've been fortunate to be in the business for a while. I've met uh, so-called celebrities and important figures and whatever. And it, it, all I cared about was how they treated me. Right. Because I treated them the same way. I didn't treat them, you know, like I was freaking out. It was like, I'm, I'm trying to make genuine moments with people for me in my life. You know, has anybody, and you don't have to maybe say names, but have you met people where you had high expectations and they treated you like garbage because they thought they were on this higher pedestal than they really were? Um, some people have that air about them. Um, they didn't necessarily treat me bad. You know what I mean? Some people are very flaky. A lot of actors don't know who they really are. Okay. Even if they're super famous, it's like, I can't even believe you've made it this far in life without knowing who you are. Of course, you try to portray everyone else in your life, but yourself. But, uh, and I say that, and I say that truthfully, because, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are flaky. They're just flaky, whether they're famous or not, you know? And, and for me, I'm just about genuine work, genuine people surrounding myself with real things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you may not hear that a lot, but that's the, the point, you know, for me. You know, it's not about the, the fame and the fortune. It's about how I make a living doing what I love. You know what I'm saying? And, and not getting stuck in, you know, the, the, the nasty that, uh, you know, we've learned, you know, Hollywood is and can be, you know what I mean? I'm not, if it, if it works and it's something wholesome for me in that way, when I say wholesome, I mean, just as uncorrupt as possible. You know what I mean? Cause I've seen that as well. Again, you, people will talk to this. I'm not, it's, all of it, almost all of it is corrupt. None of it's fair. We understand that. But a lot of it's just uh, corrupt and biased and, and judgmental. And it's uh, disgusting. And you need to, you need to like really have a grip on yourself and who you are and what you want to do, right? And we can do it. That's the beauty. We can do it. We can take advantage of our social platforms. We can uh, build our own platforms and channels, right? And that's always what I've been, uh, what I've tried to do for myself. And the greats like, you know, Adam Sandler and Mike Myers, whatever, these guys paved the way for themselves as well, right? They had help. They had big name help, but they still uh, made a mark. And now they're doing what they want to do. You know, that's the ultimate. The ultimate. I mean, you're still going to run into the politics of stuff, but you got to keep weighing out what's going to keep your soul with you or not, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I also think there are different components to this, and especially in the entertainment industry, I think many people uh, kind of have to have their hands held, and whether it's your manager in particular, uh, whether it's uh, other people for the agency you work for, uh, whether it is public relations people or PR people that you have, right? So it's in, in some way, um, you know, I, I think people could, at the very least, uh, find common ground with what you're saying, with how all these people, um, even if they don't necessarily treat you bad, uh, there's a certain air to them um, that maybe that comes across that uh, could be flaky or, 
you know, cold or, you know, there's resistance there. So uh, in your personal opinion, being around, uh, having been around uh, some of those famous people, uh, what type of advice would you give uh, for people who are aspiring comedians looking to break into the industry, uh, and especially aspiring voice actors? Because that's something that I think is a little more uh, specialized, right? Yeah. Uh, not, not a lot of people grow up saying like, oh, like I do want to be the voice uh, in my own cartoon or, you know, in, in commercials and stuff like that. And um, usually it's like people with an innate speaking ability or, you know, special voice ability that like to get into that stuff. So what would you give, uh, what kind of advice would you give those people? Uh, for the voice stuff specifically, uh, it's, it's, and I'm still pretty new to that realm of the, of the entertainment industry. And I've had some great mentors, uh, one's from New York, actually, his name is uncle Roy. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's, you know, you really just, you, you gotta, you have to put it out there. You have to, you know, get, get your demos done, but do things, you know, if, if you find a great producer that kind of helps bring out the best in you and you're writing, it's like a, it's like a singer going into the booth. Uh, to record vocals with a great producer they have to push you right so you want to surround yourself with people who help not only encourage you but like push you a little bit you know to be the best that you can be and in, in, in grow I know it sounds cheesy but it's the truth I I mean I was very green coming into this and I I had to pay like like please teach me you know what I mean like you have to be open to learn uh, and and to be you know, listening to what people have to tell you who have done it before you and are successful at it, you know, um, and uh, just a step at a time, one baby step. <clears throat> like I said, all you have to wake up and do, if you don't want to do all of it that day or a lot of it, just what is one more little thing that you could do today to better your craft? That's it. Even if it's doing research about it, you don't necessarily have to be recording every day. It's good if you do, but in the end, it's just, it's trying not to overwhelm yourself because in this industry, in this climate it's anxiety fueled you know everyone has anxiety but this is it's very overwhelming especially as an actor or a voice actor and you're constantly being judged and this and that whatever you have to remember that you cannot be defined by these things only you can do you right and you can better you have to learn how to be honest with yourself you have to be able to do that take responsibility for the things that you need to work on but in the end as long as you're putting energy towards the right spot and doing it for the right reasons because you love it truly all of those good things will come okay because if you're doing it for the wrong reasons you're going to get your 15 minutes of fame and then you're going to hate your life and a lot of people will probably hate you after a little bit and no matter what you do even if you're doing something you love they're going to be haters so it's it's learning how to ignore the noise as well and stay focused and that's across the board not just with voice acting of course you know i'm still an actor i still love acting i love being on camera i love doing comedy stuff and dramatic stuff but uh, in the end, you know, you're, you're doing auditions and you're immediately, you have to forget about it. Do your best, forget about it, move on to the next, uh, you know, work for yourself, keeping yourself productive, not necessarily busy, but productive so that you feel at your best. You know, you got to keep yourself out of those holes because it's very easy to get there. You know, and that's all tied to the type of advice you're, you're asking for in, in this sense. You have to find ways not to beat yourself up because it's difficult. You know, but you, but you can do it. People, we all can do it. So, that's good. That good? That's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's very good. <laughs> no, we uh, we like the answers that you're giving us. 
uh, very, very genuine type of answers, not beat around the bush type of answers. Uh, something that I did want to ask you is that one of my favorite shows of all time is Entourage. And there's a storyline in the later season of the show where uh, character Johnny Drama is presented an idea by CBS for his own cartoons called Johnny Bananas. At first, he hates the idea because it's, it's, he thinks it's making a mockery of his acting career. And then eventually uh, he ends up doing it. And uh, his partner is Andrew Dice Clay. And the storyline itself is kind of funny. So I wanted to ask... Uh, Ideally, what type of character you would want if you were to construct like that style of animation uh, show and you were like the the, the lead uh, character and lead voice character uh, and then all the projects that you have coming up, uh, you know, what do you have coming up? What are you excited about? Uh, for the cartoons, like I said, I do so many wacky, silly voices in my everyday just being. <laughs> so to kind of put them... Uh you know, in a demo, which I've done and, and just kind of uh, try to bring those types of characters to life and put a face to them is uh, something I've had so much fun doing. Um, I love New Yorkers and I love the accent and I love, I'm Italian as well, of course, whatever. And, and I'm kind of, there you go. And, and I'm, and I'm like very, it, it's not even that Italians kind of already the attitude that we have when we speak normally is hilarious to me, you know? And this oh, would be your what, what do you drink in the morning? What do I drink? I drink water. What do you? <laughs> do you drink? Do you drink coffee or do you drink coffee? Uh, in in Toronto we drink coffee. It's coffee. It's yeah, not it's coffee. coffee. It's not coffee. In, in New York it's coffee. Yeah, but no, it, it, it's uh water. Pardon? <laughs> water. 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 Yeah, yeah. Up here it's water. Water. <laughs> water. Yeah, I know. Sounds hilarious. Uh, but yeah, that would probably be my main my main character. I love doing this. I do a lot of stuff with other uh, Italian comedians where we're just bouncing off each other like like this too. Uh, Matthew Jafrida and, and uh, uh, Massimo. I don't know if you guys know Massimo. He's a hilarious uh, comedian as well. Um, but uh, but that kind of vibe is is has just always spoken to me. It's been my favorite to do. I can do it without thinking. Uh, and and. Uh, and yeah, we love, we love, even my girlfriend and I will, will just be talking to each other in, in that accent. Again, it's not making fun. It's like literally that there's so much charm about it that I just, you have so much fun you know what I mean? talking like that. And I'm Italian. So it just kind of comes naturally anyway. So uh, that would probably be the main character that's based around. Uh, but uh, I would have all these secondary characters, much like how Mike Myers plays all his characters and Nick Kroll plays all the, the voices in his character. Right. So there you go. All right. So, Paul, in your life or your career, what would you say is your you know right moment? Women by that is a time or place where you wanted to pursue something. Yes, somebody for advice. They're like, Paul, that's an awful idea. Don't do that. And you were like, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And ultimately, you will see why it is that I'm right. Yeah. You're asking when that exact moment was? Yeah. Any, any sort of moment like that that can't happen to you. There are all kinds of moments like that. And it's constantly testing you and it's, and it gets into your head sometimes and, you, and then you have to test yourself. You got to be like, am I strong enough to get through this? Do I believe that I am going to be that one in a million that does this? Uh, and it's that to me, I look at it as practice. Okay. Because my heart, my heart already told me that I want to do these things. My heart already told me why I love these things. I've already seen the benefits of 
how it connects with other people, you know, whether if, if you're in a band and you have thousands of people singing back the lyrics to your song, you know, you're connecting with them, right? If you're in, if you're doing comedy videos like I do, which, and, and people stop me to say how funny they think the videos are, or they watch it with their, their father or their mother. And it's the only time that day they have with them. And, and they just, they enjoy it. Like that's more rewarding than you could even, you know, imagine, you know, and hopefully one day if somebody's a kid or even adult comes to me and they, they love the cartoon show that I'm, that I'm on and they want me to do the voice for them or something like that, you know, that's cool too. Right. You know, I have, I have these, you know, people that I love that have, you know, gone through all these things as well, but uh, it's constantly like, yeah, yeah. Everybody tries to do this, buddy. What are you, what are you doing? Right. Just what you got to remember that people only judge you based on what they think they can do, which is the truth. And it's sad at the same time. It's like, shit, you can't do, that's fine. You know, you're not into music. You don't need to do music, right? But let me do music. And if it sucks, it sucks. What's What does it hurt to encourage? You know, it's only hurtful if you really do like are terrible. You haven't worked in your craft and people are like telling you it's good when it's not. That can be that can be hurtful as well and, and not beneficial. So you kind of need that constructive criticism. Uh, but you don't need the hate you know, uh, to, to drive what you're doing. You just use it as a, as a kind of a, a bit of a motivator, but not the main motivator. You need to be, you need to believe that you can do it. Right. And I always did. And I've proven it to myself countless times. Uh, and, and the band being the, the main thing, I was in so many bands before that trying to make it on the Toronto scene. Uh, and you realize it doesn't even work like that. You meet the right people and you just kind of, you build something that's genuine to you. And when it's genuine, the right people, the right team, Things start to happen. Maybe they're not the biggest things, but something better than what was uh, starts to happen. So, so you know, I've had so many of those moments. But when my band first made it, if you will, is when I really felt like, you know, validated even more so in my, the belief in myself. Like, see, I still did it. My relationships were shit. No one believed in me. My, you know, my family was supportive, but still like, you know, people, you know, they want to get the real job, you know, all this stuff. But you put in this time when you're building something, no matter what it is, even this podcast that you guys have built, right? You got to, I know how, how rewarding it must have been. It must be so far for you guys, you know, to see how, you know, people react and engage with what you're doing and they will more. Uh, but like, it's, it's, uh, it's important to have those, those moments. You have to embrace them, though, and not let them destroy you. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, everybody has innate ability and talent. It's just yeah. a matter of figuring out what it is and harnessing it and developing it. So, uh, Paul, all great answers. We appreciate your time. Uh, last question from me. Yeah. Uh, something that separates me uh, specifically from Nick. Loves when I ask this question, so I got to ask it. Mostly at the end of every episode, not every yeah. episode, but mostly. Um, so I, uh, I am actually into astrology, which is kind of different, you know, more of a, a female cool. thing, right? But I, I'm very into it. So I have to ask you what your sign is in particular. Uh, yeah. Has that topic come up uh, in your career at all? Uh, I'm very much a Leo. There you go. Uh, my birthday is July 30th, but I've heard because you must know way better than I do than if you're really into astrology, because I heard that you got all these different moons and shit. So, mm -hmm. and, and apparently that, that paints some of what your personality is or what affects you. And I, I don't know all of those things. So I don't know what kind of moons I have or anything like that, but, uh, I know I'm primarily a Leo 
Very much so. <laughs> so wow. How about you? Hey, well, I'm a Cancer. I'm July 4th, so I'm nice. earlier in July. Nick yeah. is July. Uh, so what I will say is, uh, in terms of astrology, yes, there are other planet factors. Uh, essentially, the positioning of the planets and, and how they aspect each other is really super, what's relatively important. Uh, yeah. But you do exhibit the characteristics of a Leo, right? Uh, they are... They like to be the center of attention. However, they get a bad rap because everybody thinks they're selfish. No, um, they like to be the center of attention and they like to bring other people uh, in, into that that little world, right? Yeah. So they like to warm. build warm. other people up and they're very warm. Oil, warm. Yes, yes. In terms of neurology, you're also born on a three day, which is the number of the communicator, right? So uh, everything that you've done up to this point so far in your life, uh, whether you've done comedy, uh, whether you've performed in a band, uh, whether you're looking to do the voice acting and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, three being the number of the communicator, the number of expression, right? Uh, so you see a lot of comedians, a uh, lot of singers, a lot of people like that, especially in the entertainment industry, typically tend to be born on three and five days. So um, Very interesting. Thank you for, <laughs> thank yeah. you for that. Got yeah. it. Uh, so one Paul, one more time. Thank you for doing yeah. this with us. We really, really appreciate it. What we My do pleasure. here is we give our guests the last words. Uh, so we know that you do have some other things to promote. Uh, but if there's anything else you would like to share on top of that, uh, by all means, go ahead and do this. We wish you the best of luck moving forward. And hopefully, uh, you can come to New York a little more. Uh, Nick and I would love to get together in person one day. Uh, maybe take you out for real Italian food here in New York. <laughs> that, that'd be awesome. That, but, uh, but yeah, no, uh, you know, thanks again for doing this with us. My pleasure entirely, guys. It's been a, a real, uh, a real pleasure, honestly. So, and I will take you up on that New York thing. If I get, if I get there, I'll let you know and we'll do it. And thank you for letting me speak and talk about the voice acting. If you need, if anybody needs any voice acting work, please contact me, all my social, I'll give you guys my socials. It's just my name, Paula Duca or Paula Duca voice. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, you let me know if you guys make it up to Toronto too, please. Take you up for authentic Italian up here. <laughs> that's something that's on our radar as well, because Nick mentioned we had Rick Campanelli on with us, and he's kind of been in contact and communication with us the past couple of months, a little more so than when we first had him on. So I think that might be something that we do in the future. What do you think, Nick? I think you got to get up, get up there. You do your whole Toronto tour, and uh, the town will read the same again once Joe Calvary's comes Rick, Rick's such a sweetheart I know I know Rick too and I, I I'm, I'm glad you guys had a great experience with him he's 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 wonderful yeah, okay. Rick went to the World Cup this past this Did he? and he uh he was wearing his you know I'm right sweatshirt our podcast sweatshirt in a hundred of course he was <laughs> what a good guy he's so he did yeah. our first my band's first interview in LA once too so I was so excited because I grew up watching Rick as well much music here too so he's, he's great He's the man. All right, Paul. You're the man, hey too. Appreciate your time. For Thank you for joining us. That's going to do it here for this episode of You Know I'm Right. For our very special guest, Paula Duca, my co-host, Joe Calabrese. I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right. Mm -hmm.